Hello, friends. Welcome to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in a good mood. Are you in a good mood? It is. Uh, I'm recording this over the Valentine's Day weekend, and the Jets have had a couple of games that we're actually going to talk about later in this episode, Dallas versus the Jets, and then tonight's game was actually Nashville versus Winnipeg. Um, quite a few thoughts on that one as well. But overall, man, the vibes are just good. I hope you all are having a wonderful weekend wherever you are. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day if you are kicking this off with a Monday listen. If you're enjoying this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to Locked on Jets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just love and appreciate your support. Before we kick things off, I just wanted to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. In just a little bit, we'll dive into what exactly transpired for Winnipeg over this past weekend and talk about some of the upcoming women's uh, semifinals matchups, which we're going to have uh, actually some games live tonight, I believe. And then I'm pretty sure one of uh, one of Canada or the U.S. plays tomorrow as well. So you're going to want to stay tuned for this tournament. And as always, be sure to check out Locked On NHL for all of the latest coverage at the Beijing Olympics. Saddle up and get ready for a jam-packed episode of Locked On Jets to kick off your Monday morning. You're Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, welcome back to today's episode of Locked on Jets. We are going to be talking about a couple of games that happened over the past weekend. But before we get to Jets hockey, I thought you should hear a little bit about the upcoming um, women's Olympic hockey tournaments, which are currently all the rage, especially for a lot of you Canadian and American listeners. Coming up on Monday, we have a uh, couple of really big games. For the women's playoff semifinals, we've got Canada versus Switzerland. And then on the other side, United States versus Finland. Now, It's very much expected that both Canada and the U.S. will once again match up for the gold medal round, but honestly, I'm not entirely sure uh, that this final is going to occur. You know, the U.S. really had some issues against the Czech Republic. Not stuff that I think would prevent them from beating Finland, but enough where, you know, the Czech Republic was not getting uh, far off from maybe squeezing out a, a surprise upset or something, so... You know, the U.S. has some work to do, especially on special teams. Um, you know, their penalty killing was fine, and I thought offensively they were creating good looks and, and getting some good cycles going. But obviously the special teams ineffectiveness uh, on the power play and certainly um, some of the lack of scoring and finishing at even strength is going to be a bit of an issue because Canada does not have that problem at all. They've basically just ripped through opponents, so it's going to be a tough one. I think this game, uh, the next couple of games could be really interesting. Canada versus Switzerland, it's hard to see Switzerland mounting much of an effort here enough to really upset the Canadian squad. Um, The women's Canadian team has the depth, speed, and skill to basically obliterate any opponent. And honestly, if they face off against the U.S., I wouldn't be shocked to see the U.S. lose again. I suspect the game itself, if they do face each other for the gold medal round, is going to play out differently than the last one. But ultimately, I could see Canada squeezing out the result and going through for, you know, first place overall. So, I expect Monday to be very exciting for hockey. I I think 
this women's tournament has a lot of very interesting narratives. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of opening their eyes to how fun it can be, how amazing the sport is. And a lot of people have come out in support of women's hockey at the Olympics, especially in light of some of those really stupid and controversial articles that, quite honestly, they're just baiting and, and, you know, useless nonsense written by people looking for uh, clicks on their website because they're just very poor authors. But, you know, we're going to try to ignore them. But, of course... That's not the only detractor out there. There's a lot of folks who frankly think women's hockey isn't um, important enough to be considered. And obviously we all know that the game and the growth of the sport and the continued um, evolution of women's hockey is amazing for everyone involved. And we just really want to see it continue to grow. On the men's side of things, there have been some very interesting results. Uh, obviously the men's groups have plenty of matchups to go through. But one of the most uh, talked about ones over the past day or so has been Canada versus USA. And the U.S. actually won 4-2, which is the first time they've beaten Canada, I believe, since the Vancouver Winter Olympics. This just doesn't really happen. You know, Canada always comes with the best roster, uh, the most talented players, and a squad that, frankly, despite the skill and depth of the U.S., you know, certainly the Canadians can just draw on so much more talent. But this time, it's a little bit different. You know, it's a more even playing field. If anyone is a tournament favorite, I would honestly look at Russia. I think that the Russian squad is very strong and very deep, but, you know, obviously things could change throughout this entire tournament. And just yesterday, Russia ended up losing to the Czech Republic 6-5. to So saying that there is a tournament favorite right now is probably a little bit of an overstatement. I think you've got some genuine contenders at the top here. You know, Finland has had a pretty decent showing so far. It seems like Germany could be a quiet contender. The U.S. and Canada, of course, will be near the top. You know, I would also expect Russia to be at the top of that group. Switzerland, Denmark, uh, Slovakia, Latvia, these these nations might struggle a bit more, um, especially because in between the USA and Canada, you've got so many deep teams like Finland and Sweden, all of which this tournament have some pretty decent rosters. So I, I have a hard time really seeing uh, a lot of these smaller nations getting uh, the ability to push upwards, but because of the structure of this tournament and because the U.S. and Canada don't exactly have the most elite talent on their rosters, there is a chance. You know, I, I would say it's a very slim one, but as we start to approach the uh, the elimination rounds, maybe something crazy happens. You know, in Pyeongchang last time, we had a very tight finish between Germany and I believe it was Russia. Russia, of course, ended up prevailing, but the Germans, they came so close, even with a team that on paper really didn't stack up at all. So I'm keeping an open mind. I'm hoping that this tournament continues to surprise us. Um, it's been a very interesting start with rosters that, quite frankly, you would expect ECHL teams to maybe be fielding, which makes you know some of the uh, nations like Sweden and Finland and Russia who can pull in some talent that's not under NHL contract you know, they may have a better shot than we expect at taking gold this year. So we'll see. We'll track it. And again, don't forget to check out Locked On NHL for all of the latest Beijing coverage for all of your Olympic hockey needs. We're now going to pan across the ocean and come back to North American hockey. The Jets have had a couple of games over the past weekend, and I wanted to talk about some interesting things from both games. Uh, we're going to start off with Dallas versus Winnipeg in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you'd hear about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market and can help you with all of your pesky New Year's resolutions. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. 
They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. After you finish with this podcast, I highly recommend checking out Super Week brought to you by GetUpside because there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked on NFL podcast. Locked on Bengals and Locked on Rams are in L.A. all week covering the big game, so be sure to check out all of their wonderful coverage as we watch the Super Bowl together. Now, panning back to the world of Winnipeg Jets hockey, uh, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, the Jets have played a couple of games, and the first one was a frustrating game a bit. It was against the Dallas Stars, and this one, look, there were portions that were even, and I, I thought that the Jets overall had like a passable game, but you know, Winnipeg has had these issues with some mental errors, some mistakes, uh, defensive miscues. Uh, Neil Pionk, I thought, looked super rusty in his return to the lineup. There were other issues as well, you know, the the defensive turnovers, some of the counters and stuff that were given up by the Jets, especially through the neutral zone because there were poor reads and mistimed uh, pinches and stuff. It, It was a little bit of a frustrating game. You know, the Jets offensively had some okay looks. I think that they gave Jake Ottinger in net for Dallas uh, a couple of scares here and there, but overall, the Jets just didn't really have the the killer instinct and it factor that I was looking for, which, given the lineup uh, composition and where the roster is at right now, isn't super surprising. Given all of the negatives, though, there were some things that I thought stood out. Uh, One of the first things that was very positive is that Vili Heinola just continues to be a very good transition guy. You know, this is a defender who may not exactly excel in his own end, but what you're looking from him is a guy who can get the puck out of his own end. You know, you have a lot of really big physical D in the past for the Jets, and while being really physical in the corners and stuff and winning those battles is obviously crucial to uh, forcing turnovers, shielding off your, your goaltender, and doing all of that stuff, the problem is, is if you don't actually progress the puck up the ice, you're just going to have to keep blocking shots. And, you know, somebody described it one time as killing rats when you are blocking shots. You, you kill a couple here and there, it's not a big deal. But if you're constantly having to do it, you've got bigger problems. And traditionally, that's been Winnipeg's issue, right? The Jets, when it comes to uh, trying to defensively clear the zone, it's been tough. But Heinola, I thought, did about as well as you could expect. Um, the only unfortunate thing with him was that Pionk, again, not having had games in a while, looked super rusty. Neil was honestly uh, at fault for a couple of goals against. Not really something that I can get too mad about. Um, unfortunately, it's just one of those things when you're super rusty and you've got a defensive unit that's not exactly um, replete with depth right now. You know, what can you say? It's just, it is what it is. The the team's just going to have to work around it and try and outscore a lot of its deficiencies. And on that end of things, I thought the Jets were just okay. Uh, They weren't horrible, but then, you know, it it did take until 
the very end of regulation for the Jets to even force overtime. Dallas ended up taking the lead, I think, in the second or third period. Uh, the game was a little bit of a blur. I was slightly distracted through parts of it, but overall, my general sense was that the Jets were struggling at times to find areas around the slot to really attack and get low in front of Ottinger, which, you know, it's been an issue with this team over the past several years. Dallas tried to approach the game with a very physical, heavy forecheck. The Jets didn't always have an answer for that. Um, and, you know, the, the Jets special teams, I thought, were just okay. It just felt like Winnipeg was a little bit slow, a little bit lackluster, and Dallas at times was the more active team, more creative team, and, I mean, it is what it is. I wasn't really expecting a win, even with the Jets having been rested for a couple of days. You know, it is one of those situations where when the Jets are kind of coming in cold, oftentimes the team's just not that good. I thought Connor Hellebuck was pretty sharp, at least. I, I thought that there wasn't really much he could do on any of the goals against. You know, the Jets' defense gave up a 3-on-1, which had the Tyler Sagan goal. Um, we saw Jamie Benn shovel one home at one point. Just a lot of stuff where the, the Jets really couldn't uh, give Hellebuck the support he needed, and Helly did about as much as he could. It just wasn't enough, ultimately, and so the Jets lost in overtime. Now, uh, on a more negative note, I was kind of frustrated that Cole Perfetti, who I thought was one of the more creative players and had an amazing assist on uh, Jansen Harkin's goal. For some reason, he got demoted later in the game to like the fourth line, which I don't really understand. And then once it got to overtime, Perfetti never really saw the ice, which I don't understand. You know, if you're putting Wheeler out there, why not Perfetti? That lack of foot speed in overtime, it does actually kill you. But in this case, if you're putting Wheeler out there, that's not a concern anymore because you've got a slower skater already. Wheeler, for the most part, even though he does show some flashes of his older form at times, it's not like he's regularly busting out huge breakout charges and just barreling down the wing. There are, are spurts of it, but it's not enough to where I feel like putting Cole Perfetti out there would be some kind of an additional liability. Cole's passing vision and, you know, mobile enough skating, I, I think really should get the job done. And with overtime and the amount of space that you have, I just don't see a reason not to put Perfetti out there. You know, you've got a couple of minutes into overtime and then Dallas ended up scoring. So instead of running out your veteran guys who maybe don't have uh, the, the speed and could honestly use a little bit of extra rest, let the kids do some stuff. I mean, even Vili Heinola probably would have been a better choice just because like Heinola, when it comes to creating offense out of transition, is a natural expert. So rely on your guys who are more offensively gifted and honestly bring that little bit of youthful spark. Even if they make a mistake, it is what it is, because more than likely, you're going to struggle anyways with your regular veterans, so why not let the kids have some fun and evaluate what they can do in situations like this? Now, despite the somewhat disappointing result in Dallas, the Jets had a bit of a rebound uh, the following night against the Nashville Predators, and we'll talk about what transpired in this game in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.net should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. 
They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans, from player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vezina trophy? Log into betonline.net right now and place your bet. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are closing out tonight's episode with some thoughts on Winnipeg versus Nashville. I'm not going to go into it into too much detail, maybe on another episode later this week, um, only if uh, people are really interested, but... The long and short of it is, after a frustrating loss against Dallas, the Jets had a major rebound against the Preds, and it was very interesting because it looked like it wasn't going to be that case at all. In the first few minutes, the Jets conceded two quick goals, one of them a long-range deflection uh, from Mikhail Grandland, who just sort of slapped the puck, and I, I don't know if it got tipped or something, but it went over Hellebuck's right shoulder, which not really something you'll want to see from like the top of the face-off circle. And then the second goal, I think, was Matt Duchesne or something like that. Um, but the Jets actually rallied and had a pretty good response. Uh, Mark Shifley kind of got it going with a absolute ripper of a, uh, I think it was like a slap shot or something from the left face-off circle. This one assisted by Vili Heinola. And this release from Shifley was very good because, to be honest, at least one of the earlier goals was kind of partly on him with some really weak defensive backtracking. And then, you know, the Jets just kind of went to work. One of the biggest storylines of this game was that Nashville got itself into serious penalty trouble, and they just kept giving up so many power plays to the Jets. Now, uh, the Jets kept using the first power play unit, which I didn't really think was maybe the most appropriate thing, because, you know, if you're facing Nashville, you really need that really good quick puck movement and stuff, and the second unit has got Cole Perfetti, so... I felt like Perfetti would have really helped here, but for some reason, they just kept trotting out the first unit instead. I would also like them to use more Vili Heinola there, but it just seems like Heinola, for the most part, is like an even-strength-only guy to the team, so that's going to have to be how it is for the the, the the current, I guess, stretch. But uh, the first power play unit ended up finally hitting pay dirt on like the fourth or fifth power play. This one was a uh, a bit of a lucky deflection. Kyle O'Connor tried to one-time it and sort of wristed it off of Mikhail Gronland, who was on the PK. Gronland tried to block the shot. It deflected off of his wrist and went in instead. So just like that, the Jets were tied. And then the real turning point was later in the game when Mark Borowiecki uh, ended up elbowing Evgeny Zvechnikov in the face. Zvech went down with a bloody nose. Um, but the, the penalty itself was basically a five-minute major and then a game misconduct. I mean, it had to be, right? He'll probably be getting a call from player safety because it was a pretty bad hit, and, you know, the, the Nashville commentators were like, well, he didn't intend that, and I'm like, I, I don't know. He kind of had his arm up pretty high, and he caught him in the face, so I don't know what they expect us to see in that, but it looked to me like it was a bad hit no matter what. The Jets then scored two quick goals thanks to... Pierre-Luc Dubois, and then another one from Blake Wheeler. Now, the Wheeler goal was pretty neat because Blake had a great crossing route in front of the net. This one, Mark Shifley collected a pass on the left face-off circle, and rather than shooting, saw Wheeler cutting across laterally, hit him with a great feed, and Wheeler just sort of tucked it home for a beautiful goal. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois did his thing, kind of won a physical battle behind the net, uh, wheeled around in between two defenders, almost blindly wristed it and it sort of caught uh 
it sort of seemed to catch Yusuf Saros off guard. Saros had been amazing up until that point, and then it just was like, ooh, yeah, not a great one. The Jets then finally closed out with a uh, great little empty net goal for Wheeler, but Blake was definitely one of the bigger storylines of the night, in part because he had a major five-point game, which is super rare. You don't ever really see that. It's the current tie for the Jets-Thrashers franchise points in a game for a single-player record, and Wheeler is the only other player, uh, <laughs> if you could say only other player, it's, it's, it's his same record. He has gotten it once before, and now he has tied it once again. So an awesome little uh, footnote for him. I really feel like uh, there, there were a couple of things that really stood out to me despite Wheeler's performance. I thought Heinola with Pionk was really smooth. Vili was super confident in transitioning the puck out of his own end, and I thought in general the Jets were um, a lot more mobile on the back end. I also noticed Dylan and Schmidt just not working at all. That pairing is atrocious. Morrissey DeMello, pretty stable overall. Um, and then from the forwards, you know, Shifley kind of doing his thing. Offensively still really gifted. Defensively kind of a wreck. That is to be expected at this point. Perfetti, some great passing, couple of good scoring opportunities. Uh, Dubois really not looking like he's missed a step at all. Just a really well-rounded performance, and I thought Hellebuck really rebounded nicely after those first two goals. Um, after that, he really just locked things down and made life heck for uh, the Preds. It's the kind of uh, morale-boosting win the Jets have needed badly, in part because even with some of their recent points, uh, acquisitions, I guess you could say, it's not really been enough to make all that much playoff ground-ups. But, you know, a win here and there, it just raises the spirits, gets the guys in a good mood, and it's nice to see the nice to see the Jets occasionally play a really complete game that, you know, despite being pretty even at times, I still thought the Jets uh, ended up coming out on the right end of things, and I was happy with the uh, performance overall. I'd love to know what you thought of the game, and if you had any additional thoughts you wanted to share, be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. The Jets are going to have a very busy schedule of games, so on top of our Olympic coverage and thoughts, you'll have coverage throughout the week of all the Jets games as they go through this Olympic break themselves and really make up all of their postponed stuff. For tonight's show, though, like I said, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make sure to make Locked On Bets your second listen, your one-stop shop for all of your betting advice and needs, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis from Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Locked On Bets. You can find it on your favorite podcasting platform, and subscribing is always free. Thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!